And there we go. We are back for another fantastic episode of Friday Night Counter Attack. And this one's another nice little collaboration collaboration type podcast. We're here talking with someone who also has a football podcast today. We're also going to be talking about how Manchester United and Tottenham Hotspur are kind of competing for the top four this season, how they've both got improved managers as well. So we're going to see how that kind of comes across. And we're going to go back to our roots about talking more about mental health and how exercise has benefited mental health. Um, for one of our guests today as well and for other people who can listen and learn something by all means stick around to the end to figure out five tips through exercise that can help you benefit your, men- your mental health as well but first things first I've got to introduce my outstanding guest today actually you know what I'm not going to introduce you Joe you have to introduce yourself because I don't want to do you injustice so Joe please introduce yourself fully and um, yeah take it away man well, coming live to you from a cupboard in southwest London um, so my, my name is Joe Forrester so Kind of my background is um, broadcasting, a lot of sports stuff. So kind of love sport radio, talk sport, but kind of lots of wishy-washy kids entertainment shows on Sky One and Four Music and that kind of thing. Um, but my real passion is football. And like you said, I'm the host of uh, Rose Ed, which is a very, very silly, frivolous football podcast. Don't worry. That's literally like the opposite to us as well, because we're just kind of there like, we're not silly. We sometimes we get very serious in terms of our debates. So hopefully this one will be a, <laughs> a lot more stress-free and a lot more silly. So I'm looking to go down that route today, which would be a quite a relaxing change of pace for me as well. And thank you very much for joining the podcast today, Joe. It's nice to uh, work with you today. And like you said, it's it's nice to work with different people and expand, expand your networking, really, which mm-hmm. is the main thing. So I'm really looking forward to it as well. First things first, let's talk about your boyhood team, Tottenham Hotspur. Let's go straight into it. What are your what are your thoughts of the season? You lost recently against Sporting Lisbon in the Champions League. There was talks of Son being out of form, but he scores a hat trick against Leicester. We are talking now at the international break, and hopefully this podcast kind of releases around the time when Man United plays Spurs as well. So hopefully it will lead straight into that. But what are your kind of first thoughts on Spurs this season under Antonio Conte? Joe? Do you know what? It's it's not um it's not an if we win the title, it's when. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking silly to a whole other level now, yeah. Joe. Come on now. Um. Do you know what, right? It's a bit of a weird one. Like you say, poor in the Champions League, lost against Sporting. Um, dreadful, potentially the worst performance under Conte. Uh, game against Leicester, where we ended up winning 6-2. It was 2 all at half time. Spurs were abject in the first half. Um, I think the problem that Conte's had a lot at Spurs and, and at other teams as well is his approach is so effective, but it is also quite one-dimensional. Yeah. It's it's essentially kind of, well, as you know, hitting people on the counter-attack, get those wing-backs, overloading the opposition full-backs, get the ball into the box and essentially look to score from some kind of knockdown or some kind of layoff from one striker to another. That, very broadly speaking, are the tactics. Um, when we play teams that sit a little bit deeper against us, so when the full-backs push up, they're not overlapping anybody. They're kind of being faced up by a five-man defence. That's where we've always struggled. I've got to say, I think in the second half, Leicester were pretty shambolic. And that really played into, into our hands. There were kind of there were moments there where Spurs were counter-attacking on them with uh Kane, Kulosevsky, and Son. And Leicester just had two centre halves back. And no matter how it don't, I don't care if you're Paolo Maldini and Rio Ferdinand in their pomp, like you can't deal with an overload of attackers. It's almost impossible. That being said, it was great to see Sun come on, got a 14-minute hat-trick, of course. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. He said afterwards that he scored three lucky goals. I thought the third one was lucky. The first two were pretty damn good as far as I'm concerned. And well, the, second, I, I don't know. the second one was exceptional, in my opinion, as well. Coming Lovely. back inside with the left foot. I don't see how he was going 
maybe it was just playing to what the media was saying as well. The narrative of our son's finished, our son's not doing very well, and people getting on his back after an early, uh, early form, the early form that he's kind of had, really. But I don't think so. His son's class has shone for the last six, seven years, has mm-hmm. been in the Premier League and shown it at the World Cup with Korea, shown it for Korea nationally as well, and shown it on the big stages for Tottenham Hotspur. When you mentioned obviously the goal with the left foot, what I like about Son so much is he is the most perfectly both-footed player in the Premier League, in my opinion. So ambidextrous. Him, yeah. him, Trent's quite good with both feet as well. I think Christian Eriksen's very good with both feet at the same time. And um, I'd be a bit biased for Cristiano Ronaldo in there as well. He's very good with his left foot. And Harry, <laughs> and Harry Kane. Harry Kane's a very good left-footed player as well. People forget he can finish coolly with his left foot as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think the thing about Spurs though this season is, obviously, at time of recording, we're a point behind Arsenal. Um, next game is the North London derby, but I mean, it's the best start that Spurs have had to a Premier League season since we finished second mm. in um, 2015, 20, no, 2016, 2017, sorry. But the football's not been that great. There's like a lack of inspiration sometimes. We've kind of got three or four midfield players with a very similar profile. Um, Holberg, Basuma, Bentancourt and Oli Skip. They're all pretty good at winning the ball. They're all pretty good at keeping the ball. They're not very good at picking the killer pass. So you are quite reliant on the fullbacks doing something or Harry Kane picking a through ball or even a killer over the top ball from Eric Dyer, which I never thought I'd say. So yeah, there's something to be desired, but that being said, pretty much top of the table. Yeah. can't really complain. No, it's been really good to see how Spurs have developed so far. Antonio Conte is still less than a year into his role at yeah. Tottenham Hotspur as well. So people forget that he's still got time to develop. He's still yet to develop his fully, his full squad properly as well. And it just goes to show for me personally, first time kind of speaking about this this season, how Daniel Levi finally backed a manager mm. to the hilt. He literally did it with Antonio Conte. He got rid of players he didn't want. He got rid of um, players on loan who he didn't think would fit into the squad. And he got players in who he believed would be right for Antonio Conte as well. I'm really looking forward to seeing how Jed Spence comes into the side. I think he's going to be overtaking Emerson by Christmas. I think when Emerson... Surely. Real, yeah, surely he'll become the number one right wing back for Tottenham Hotspur going forward as well. And I think it's just one of those things that with Antonio Conte, he likes letting players settle in sometimes as well, especially with the younger players. Kind of like Mourinho in that sense, where he likes to go for the experienced heads more than anything. That's why Bissouma's hardly been in the team. You've seen Richarlison in and out of the side as well, but Jed Spence as well, someone who's like a younger player who wants to kind of go through as well. Um, but one player I did want to speak to you more about than probably I've ever spoken about him in my life, Eric Dyer. Talk to me <laughs> about that, Joe. How has he got this re-emergence, the re-emergence of Eric Dyer's coming at the right time with an England call-up and potentially making that World Cup squad as well? Do you know How's what? that going to happen? He, he's my favourite Spurs player. Seriously? I've got, got a real soft spot. But you know, you get those players, and I, I don't, don't get me wrong, he's by no means... Is he the most talented player in the team? But I've just got a soft spot for him. Mm. Is it because he scored that penalty against Colombia? Oh, my God. That was literally... I spent my lifetime crying over England losing in penalty shootouts and the man to banish that demon was Eric Dyer. Of all the people in England scored to do it, Eric Dyer. I love it. Of all the people in England. (laughs) Full stop. It's crazy. (laughs) That's so so much, man. Oh, no, Eric Dyer. But no, it's such a... Yeah. So why is he your favourite player? What's he done for you this season that kind of captivated not just you, you and the fans, but what's he kind of done to kind of change that from last season? But you know what? He also like, I also read an article about him where he's, his hobby is, is he keeps an allotment. Mm. So he grows vegetables, right? And I mean, any footballer that grows vegetables is all right in my book. Also, I don't know, I suppose he's exercised the right attitude, which so, so many footballers are quick to throw their toys out the pram. Um, so many elite level footballers are quick to throw their toys out the pram. 
and kind of want to leave the club, want to move on, instead of turning around and looking and going, well, hang on, maybe I'm doing something wrong. And I don't know if Deli Ali's a good example of this. He's a bit of a mystery to me. Mm. But they look for a move because they think it's the coach's fault and they're not getting the chances they should. Eric Dyer sat tight. He played a lot under Pochettino. He played in midfield a lot for Pochettino. Then he got dropped, barely got in the team for two years. Jose Mourinho liked him, put him back in the team. And you know what? He's got certain qualities. Like, yeah, he's not. I mean, we mentioned Maldini and Ferdinand. He's not the classiest centre-back you're ever going to see. He's not the kind of guy who's going to stay on his feet constantly and looks beautiful on the ball. You think, oh my God, you could play anywhere on the pitch. But he's a leader. When you go and watch Spurs, particularly if you're sat close to the pitch, he's constantly just talk, 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 talk. Hugo Lloris is talking to everybody and Eric Dyer is talking to everybody, like pulling people to back into position, shouting at people when they're out of position. And also, he's big, he's strong, good in the air, super brave. And one thing he can do, admittedly, he tries it 10 times a game and it comes off one out of 10. He does have quite a decent over-the-top through ball in him. Mm-hmm. And it's a ball that Conte looks for a lot. I think he's benefited a lot from playing in a back three because you've got Ben Davis next to you who's just super reliable. Like, not an amazing player, but just reliable. And, and he's also he... someone that can bomb forward as well, being a left back by trade. Exactly. Someone that can increase with the passing angles as well, being a left footer as well. So it gives Eric Dyer that more freedom to rather step into midfield or to uh, hold it back as a sweeper as well, like we've seen this season as well. I think there's also an element of, and I don't mind Davison Sanchez, he's fine. He's not mm. as bad as a lot of Tottenham fans make out, but Christian Romero is a huge step up. Yeah. And with Romero next to him, instead of having to cover for Sanchez's mistakes and maybe second guessing, you know that Romero's fine and he's got you. So it allows Dyer to play a bit more of his natural game. And yeah, and I also just think like he's, he's a great example to top level footballers of how patience can pay off. And he's back in the England team now. 100%. Nice. It's really good to see how Eric Dyer got back into it as well. And any centre-back that gets into the English squad that hopefully pushes out Harry Maguire is a win for me. Oh, it's... poor old Harry. Nah, no, no poor old <laughs> Harry. Not poor old Harry at all. Nah, this guy is not... I'm not his biggest fan. I've never really been his biggest fan at Manchester United. And um, I know he does really well for England. And I know he gets a lot of praise in the media. But when you see him week in, week out for Manchester United, and you're just kind of there like, this is not the guy that we want. So... When Christian Romero shouted in Harry Maguire's face last season uh, when he scored that own goal, I wasn't I wasn't against it, but I wasn't for it, if you know what I mean. So I didn't mind it that he had a shout at Harry Maguire as I, well. But. I think as well, there's an element of if you sign an Argentinian centre-back, they've got to be aggro. That's just that's part and parcel of it. If he turned up and he was lovely and polite, you'd be like, what are you doing? That's not what we signed. Oh, we signed here. We have to <laughs> yeah, return this guy. This is insane. Like when he was screaming at Reese James against Chelsea and pulling Cucurella's hair. It's just like, oh, I don't condone it. But that's sort of what I want. It's in the nature, basically. That's just how <laughs> it is. That's what we signed up for. Marcus Rojo was another one. Lisandro Martinez as well. Remember Javier Mascherano as well. Gabriel <laughs> Heid- Oh, Mascherano is a menace. He probably still is a menace. Probably menacing people back in Argentina as well. <laughs> I think he's playing. It's crazy to see. Gabriel Heinze was another yeah. one. You're looking at a lot of these uh, defenders that come to the Premier League and they're being Argentine. Uh, they have to stamp their authority. And that's yeah, kind of yeah. what it is with Sergio Romero. And it's really good to see how it kind of goes about it. Um, but yeah, now, now we'll move on to like our main topic. So for everyone listening, um, from our current listeners, you'll probably know what we do. We do like a... We've now gone from this season, we're going to do like a five-a-side type of joint Manchester United versus Tottenham Hotspur uh, type thing. It's not even going to be a versus. It's just because we're going to have a joint team of Man United and Tottenham Hotspur players. So for me, uh, a couple of rules for you, Joe, I should say. Mm. 
first one, the first pick you get is a wild card pick. So you get to pick anyone in any position. And then the next four positions that you pick, you have to go from the back to front. So it's how it would be on a five-side pitch. If you're playing yeah. at goals, if you're playing at Power League, if you're on the streets in South London, if you're in the favelas in Rio de Janeiro, mm. high-rises of Tokyo, wherever you're playing five-side football, this is the team that you need to pick. And it's going to be a Manchester United and a Tottenham combined team. So you being our special guest today, Joe, I will allow you the choice of picking a wild card. So you can pick anyone you want. Thank you. And my other rule is you can't pick the same player, obviously, because they're facing against one another. It's not beef. It's going to be like pretend real life type thing as well. So you can't have the same player on both teams. And so are we quite... going past and present? Past and present, because if we just did present, it'd be a bit dull and it would be a bit contemporary. We're going through past and we're going through the present as well. So if you want to pick Christian Eriksen in his Spurs days, I don't mind that at all. I, could pick... I can't then pick Christian Eriksen in his Man United present. So yeah, that's the kind of thing it has to go. Okay, so... The problem that we've got, obviously, is past and present. Is Manchester United have got a past, and Spurs not so much, apart from a League Cup and a Carling Cup. David Ginola um, as well. Oh, legend! Absolute legend. Mm. Um, I've got a good story about David Ginola actually. Go for <laughs> got it. Time. No, I've so, got, I've got time. Go for it. So I was, I was at an event, right? I was waiting to do, we were waiting to do an interview with Taylor Swift, who turned up. Never did any interviews. So it was almost a wasted evening. Mm. But I'm stood there like with the cameraman waiting and in bowls, David Ginola with his wife and his daughter. And I was like, you know, it's a footballer you love growing up. Mm. I was like, my brain knew it was David Ginola, but I couldn't quite process it. And then also like this memory appeared in my mind that when Tottenham won the Worthington Cup to the League Cup in 1999, I was at Wembley with my family and David Ginola took his shirt off and waved. And my mum turned to the family and was like, oh, my God, he waved at me. He waved at me. I was like, mum, we're like 70 rows back. <laughs> no, she's, and she's like maintained this for her whole life. She's like, she's like, he waved at me. He waved. I'm telling you, he waved at me. Oh, my God. I was like, this is my chance. right? So I went up to him. I was like, David, man, I've got to say, like, I'm a huge Spurs fan. I was there when we won the Worthington Cup in 1999. And my mum was in the crowd, too. And she said that you waved at her. And he was like, OK, get your phone out. <laughs> I got he's like, okay, record a video. So I'm like filming a video. It's me and David Ginola. He's just like, hello, Laura. It's <laughs> David Ginola here. I would just like to say that all those years you were right. It was you I was waving at, Laura. It's always been you. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, oh, Dad. Shout out, Laura. Shout out, David Ginola. Oh my God. Imagine, imagine her hype after all these years where she's like, yeah, I got proved right. That's insane. I sent it to her. She put it on Facebook and she's just like, told ya. <laughs> she believed it. <laughs> oh man. But, oh, um, my days. David, but but I'm, I'm not putting David in as, as the wild card. Okay. So one man I'm going for, and I don't think there can be any debate around this, Luka Modric. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. I thought you were going to go for Ronaldo. But yeah, Luka Modric, man. <laughs> I needed. Yeah, Ronaldo's my wild card. So that's spoiler. But Luka Modric, talk to me about him at his Spurs days as well. Because again, he was someone where he would play as a winger sometimes because you had Huddleston, Jermaine Genus, Palacios as your centre midfielders. But Harrod, that would sometimes play as a right winger, mm. a left winger. You'd have Crenshaw as your attacking midfielder. Gareth Bale would start to come as a left midfielder. Yeah. But, um, what was it about Luka Modric that kind of encapsulated the kind of growth at Spurs? Because if you remember correctly, and I'm sure you do, he was one of your main catalysts for getting into that Champions League position as well. Yeah, it was a real transition. So kind of from, from Martin Yole, to be honest, was the big turning point. Martin Yole getting a bit of Europa League football. I can't remember if it was the UEFA Cup then, but whatever. Kind of growing as a team, like you say, Carrick, Huddleston, Genus, that really good English team. Into the Redknapp era with Cranchard, Modric, my all-time favourite Spurs player, Raphael van der Vaart, 
Mm. And it was just such, for the first time, we were attracting players who other clubs really wanted. And so, like, Luka Modric came from Dinamo Zagreb when he was 22. And he was really hot property throughout Europe. Loads of teams were looking at him. He ended up at Spurs. Absolutely incredible. And I think it's within about two or three months, you know, you look at a player, and certainly as a Tottenham fan, I don't know if it's happened as a Manchester United fan, but you think, we'll do well to hold on to you for more than a couple of years. Because it's a cliche, but some cliches in football are true. He looked like he had more space than anybody else. He's not a particularly fast player, but he just moves and he finds himself in little pockets of space that the opposition don't read. And he's there on the ball, looks up, and he it feels like he's playing, everyone else is running in treacle and he's just floating above them. He just he, looks... Yeah, sorry, go on. No, he had that. There's that There's that cheat code. I think Bruno Fernandes mentioned it recently. He had that cheat code of playing where the referee is because no one marks the referee. So yeah, he yeah. was always in acres of space as a centre midfielder more so when he's playing as a winger, when he would be just around the referee, which allowed him a lot more space, a lot more time, and kind of playing the game in slow motion. Yeah. The poetry he has as a footballer is unbelievable. And the fact that he's had that longevity of doing it from Dinamo Zagreb, being in that mm. Croatia side that knocked out England in Euro 2008 qualifiers, to so then move to Spurs around the same kind of time, and then play for Rambuid for all the time that he did. Outstanding. Yeah, one, one of the greats as far as I'm concerned, and just like a, a, what I describe as a beautiful footballer. Just somebody who you could, if you stood on the sidelines, you're like, oh man, I could just, I could watch him with the ball at his feet all day. Um, so yeah, genius. What's your favourite memory of Luka Modric? So probably the like the commentator described it as the goal made in Croatia. Mm. So it's out. I can't remember who we're playing. And off the top of my head, I think it's Pompey. That might be wrong. But it's Modric, Cranchar, and Choluka yeah. down the right wing, and Modric on the edge of the area. Cranchar's like wide on the right, and Choluka's a little bit behind him, and they play a little triangle among the three of them and it comes back to Luka Modric who hits it first time and it goes in off the bar so I love I love it off the bar Yaboa like anyway absolutely love that and it's just it's a beautiful thing and I remember the commentator being like oh there you go a goal made in Croatia and I was like oh Tottenham are pretty good aren't we needs to do more scouting in Croatia in my opinion as well there's so many young <laughs> talented players coming yeah. out from there as well which needs to be recognized and hyped up about but no Luka Modric fantastic choice and someone who I really should have gone for more I would have gone for him. He was in my first pick as a midfielder. But we go for Cristiano Ronaldo. He loves scoring a goal against Tottenham, just for, not against Man United, but uh, for Real Madrid as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how you kind of combat Cristiano Ronaldo. Do you go for a goalkeeper? Do you go for a defender, a rush goalkeeper? How do you go about it, Joe? That's what I was going to say, because a, a keeper is sort of a waste, aren't they, in five-a-sides? You know, you, know, you know it, you know it, you know it. People want to go and show off their uh, intelligence of using go, going for a keeper. Nah. You got five aside for a reason. You have four outfield players or five outfield players with rush. That's how it goes. But yeah, how would think, you go about it? I think right. So I mean, I'm am I allowed to pick United players as well? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so yeah. I'd probably put Rio Ferdinand as rush keeper. That's cool. So it's hard because you want to obviously you want to play Ferdinand, you want to play Vidic. I'm a huge Ledley King fan. I think Ledley King is a fantastic player. Oh, we've but, done a podcast on Ledley King a couple of years ago when we first started this podcast, and we talk about how Ledley King was one of the best players to ever play football with one knee. So it goes to show that <laughs> goes to show that he's such a Rolls Royce of a player. How he couldn't play football with his kids at home. How he couldn't sit on a plane properly on yeah. the way back from like European games and stuff like that. How he never really trained as well. We just to show... did, did swimming, didn't he? That's mm. all he could do. <laughs> That's all he could do, and he survived the way he did as a footballer for an immense amount of time. And being a Spurs ambassador, being a coach as well under Jose Mourinho, goes to show how well he did as a Tottenham player and Tottenham captain, Tottenham legend. Yeah, absolute legend. Um, I think you can't look past Rio, though. I mean, because you obviously look at Vidic as well. Rio, 
better with the ball at his feet, going to be a better five-a-side player. Mm. Probably going to do, it'll be a bit handier if he does need to go in nets as well. Um, and pretty much at the height of his powers, pretty much the perfect centre-back, you'd say. So yeah, stick him in there. I'm not going to go for a centre-back and I'm not going to go for a goalkeeper. I'm going to go for someone who people will be like, why did you pick him? But you can't. I can't look past Carl Walker. Honestly. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I needed. I know he's a Manchester City player. I know he's won the title numerous times with Manchester City. Um, but he's someone who you remember in his Spurs days, quick as anything, probably one of the quickest players in the world at the time, I would say. Injury-free as well, which is really good to see. Him and Kieran Trippier compete against each other. Big factor in that successful, or somewhat successful, Mauricio Pochettino side and in that title charge as well. Um, so someone to have on a five-a-side pitch with the most recoveries from whoever you're going to have up front, Carl Walker will be there to combat them. So Carl Walker's in my team. See, um, that's well. good for because five side as well. Like it rewards speed and fitness. Mm. So like if you've got to recover, if say we're bombing forward, we lose the ball. I know I'm not recovering. I'm rather sitting at the back. We're just letting someone else deal with it. Or uh, no, I'm probably I'm the one who's standing there with his hands on his knees, hyperventilating because the the attack's taking it out of me. So I've got to walk back. <laughs> Those seven steps are too much for me, Joe. I need oh, to, I need a breather. I need a breather. You know that's that when you, be. when you do that little burst because you think you can win the ball and they pass around you and you're like, that's it. I'm done for 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. We record our five-a-side games as well. So when you play occasionally, I'll wear a GoPro and then you get to actually watch our actual game. So I'll send you the link later as well. You can see me just, you can just hear a soundtrack of me hyperventilating right. at like two minutes in. So I'm like, I'm not hiding that. I'm not going to edit away. That's the truth. That's the reality <laughs> of it. And I'll just let other people score and win the ball. I'll be like, yes, our team's winning. And I'll be like the Jordan Henderson hype man of the team. So it'll be quite good to see how that kind of goes as well. I love that when you're football, like when you're playing 11 aside or whatever, or five aside, and your football team scores and you're like proper celebrating. You're like, hang on, I haven't touched the ball for five minutes. I had nothing to do with that. Cup. I've been man marking. I've been man marking. That's yeah. all I've been doing, which is okay. Which is, I've been reading the game from the back, yeah. which has been good. Um, but yeah, I'll go back to you as well. Who are you going to go for? Another defender or are you going to go for a midfielder and start going through your attack? So this is our... Who have we got? We've got Modric, Ferdinand, Walker, Ronaldo. This is our last player. No, no, no. As in like you can go for another midfielder afterwards or you can go for yeah. just a defender. But it's your choice how you want to set up the team as well. So if you want to go for the rest of strikers, you can. If you go for the rest of... After this, you can go for the rest of strikers, but you have to go for a defender, midfielder, and then whoever you want after. So I'm kind of... See, the thing is, I'm thinking about who's going to be a good five-a-side player. And I think Wayne Rooney. Because... Fudge sake. <laughs> I, I, I promised my wife I wouldn't swear on the podcast anymore. So for fudge sake, man. <laughs> what? You don't like Wayne? No, I love Wayne. But Wayne, on your team, as opposed to mine, he's like my favourite player from Man United in history. So I have to go for Wayne Rooney. I should have gone for him as a, as a, as a player. But he loves scoring a goal against Spurs. So for you to have him on your team, with Rio Ferdinand behind him and Luka Modric assisting him, that's looking pretty good, Joe, I have to say. And also, at playing five aside, someone who's really strong and, let's face it, rough and tumble mm. is very handy. Like Because when someone like, I mean, obviously they're on the same team, but you're kind of Modric-style players, gets on the ball, looks up, someone who just wallops them straight into the side hoardings, like that Rooney would be a good five-a-side player. 100%. I think he's the ultimate five-a-side player from England, if you had to show anyone. If you yeah. had to say, if you had to do like a a gold medal, gold standard type of five-side player from every nation, Wayne Rooney would be the quintessential five-side player. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, from England as well. Fantastic choice. And yeah, shout out to my wife for making sure I don't swear on the podcast anymore and uh, upsetting our neighbours. Um, <laughs> next one, who have we got? Who should I go for? I'm I'm, I'm torn between a few players. Um, 
I don't think I can go for him just yet because his class as an attacker for you, so I can't go for him just yet. You've gone for Luka Modric, who I thought was an outstanding player. I, I think I have to throw it back, and it has to be more of a favourable one for me. I think I'm going to go for two midfielders. One of them I'm going to go for first because I don't want you to steal and be a Spurs player. <laughs> um, I have to go for um, Musa Dembele. Oh, what a good shout. I'd forgotten about Musa. Yeah, that's a really good shout. I have to go for Musa Nabelli. I think you can have Musa does... Sissoko. No, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> you can keep Musa Sissoko. You can keep him if you want to. You can have him as a bench warmer if you need to. As a, as that guy that you have on on WhatsApp. You like, we may need a, a player later on. We may need a player. He just loves all the jokes in the WhatsApp group. He's there for morale. Yeah, he's there. Like, I'll come next week. I'll come next week. Yeah, sure you will, Musa. Sure you will. Sure you will. <laughs> but no, I've got the real Musa, Musa Dembele, yeah, who amazing. again. Pochettino just loved. I loved watching him play. I had the luxury of playing, watching him two, three times at Old Trafford, and he was just a player you're, you're screaming at on Twitter, saying, "Man United, please sign this guy. He's doing this at mm. Old Trafford in your own home. Forty million pound bid. Do it. We're having the likes of um, who did we have in midfield? Like Ander Herrera, uh, Maron Fellaini, mm. um, Morgan Schneiderlin, Michael Carrick was on his way out as well. Shout out Michael Carrick, by the way. Yeah, it's good. Um, but Musa Dembele was someone who could attack. He could defend. He was an all-action midfielder. He could string so many cute passes together. And for a five-a-side team with Ronaldo up front, with Carl Walker behind him, it's got to be done. I have to throw him in there. And it's now begged the question that we both have two picks each. We have two picks each, Joe. And I'm not sure we're going to get away with, with this because there'll be so many people going out and saying, why didn't you pick this person? Why didn't you pick this person? Mm-hmm. But... This is going to be a tough, tough choice. And this is why I want it to, it to be a five-a-side. And this is why I want it, it to be a past and a present because we're going to leave out so many big names because of who we generally want on the team. So just to remind our listeners, I've got Carl Walker, Musa Dembele, and I've got two spots left with Cristiano Ronaldo as my striker. Joe, you have Rio Ferdinand, you have Luka Modric, and you have Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney up front. So choice is yours, my friend. Who are you going for? So, this, so technically, this is a striker. But I'm picking also just say Dembele, great shout. Perfect five side player. He's the guy that means you don't have to play two midfielders because he can do everything. He's the kind of guy that I was like, do I pick Roy Keane or do I pick Dembele? Because Roy Keane can just yeet everyone into rosette of these <laughs> five side or in the nets if you're at Power League. Yeah. Because you've got Luka Modric. I need someone to combat that. And the best person to combat that by holding on to the ball and beating the press is Mr. Dembele. So I'll tell you what, I want to pick Harry Kane, but I'm going to play him potentially in the midfield because okay. what he showed i mean he can drift between oh, it's not a big pitch is it so mm. he can drift between the center forward position and playing alongside luca because what he showed last year was he can do absolutely everything yeah and i would say maybe bar de bruyne bar trent alexander arnold's got maybe the best range of passing in the premier league some of his play particularly when spurs played city at the etihad and beat him 3-1 glorious he, game he was outstanding and literally got on the ball on the centre spot every time and just quarterbacked it around the pitch. And one of the best individual performances I've seen from a Spurs player, I think he's the best player to ever play for the club. And yeah, I think he could do a bit of everything at five-a-side. And also, if it's a penalty, then he's your man. Those one-step penalties as well. Yeah. You can tell he played five-a-side growing up, and that's what I love about Hurricane. He always goes for the corners properly. His technique is always right, always aiming low. And I love that because it goes to show how Five side can actually genuinely help your footballing ability, yeah. Um, as well. So Harry Kane, I'm not gonna say anything bad about him. I love Harry Kane. I genuinely think he is a man that will uh, overtake Alan Shearer's record as the top Premier League goal scorer of all time. 
Um, we're gonna have to get you on for another podcast to talk about strikers for another time, Joe. That oh, needs, love to to. Done. needs to be done, man. Um, if you go for if you go for Kane, I have to go for my man, my man for all time, Gareth Bale. Oh yeah, yeah, good shout. Because yeah. if anything, if you do pick Son, fair enough. You have Son, Rooney, and Ronaldo up front. No, Son, Rooney, and no, yeah, Son, Rooney, and Kane up front. I need Gareth Bale. I need Cristiano Ronaldo up there. And I'm going to have to think of my last one very, very uh, quickly. But Gareth Bale, man, I loved him during my school days when he was at Tottenham. I loved him during mm. my college days when he was at Real Madrid. I loved him during my adult years as a Real Madrid player and going for Wales as well. Because he's someone that whenever you watch him in a Spurs shirt, you, you remember how long he's been playing professional football, top tier professional football, how he got clattered all the time as a Spurs winger, flying winger. His goal at Old Trafford in your 3-2 win mm. when Dembele kind of ran the show and Gareth Bale scored that amazing goal past Rio Ferdinand as well. I'm thinking if you've got Rio Ferdinand in your team, I need a fast-paced merchant who can score goals, who can take on players, who's quick than, quicker than anything. And you can see my kind of theme that I'm going for with pace with Walker, Dembele, Gareth Bale and Ronaldo. Gareth Bale just needs to be in there. You need a bit of balance in there with a left-foot attacker and a right-foot attacker as well. So, yeah, Gareth Bale. Who's your final picture? Yeah, great. I mean, great choice. That goal, 94th minute goal against West Ham that he scored in his first spell at Spurs. He's got a volley against Stoke as well, where it kind of comes down from high up and he just gets his foot right over the top of the ball, kind of almost 90 degrees. Like, yeah, incredible. Hat-trick against Inter Milan. It's given Tottenham fans some of their best memories ever. Retired um, Mycon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally retired Mycon, who was arguably the best fullback in the world for a couple of years. Yeah, he so, won the Champions League this season before as well. And then Gareth Bates came up to that. Now nah, you're done, mate. This is my time. And that's when Gareth Bale, yeah, Gareth Bale just introduced himself on the world stage in that game, which is iconic and still iconic to what he's done. And so I do always, what... I always love. Sorry, I always love him because he scored that overhead kick against Liverpool as well. So oh yeah, always rings in my heart as well, Gareth Bale. So nicely done, Gareth. So my final pick, and I think this could be what causes us to lose the match. Okay. Because I know this is heart overhead, but I mentioned him earlier. It's my favorite Tottenham player of all time, Raphael Van der Vaart. Now, I don't think he's a good five-a-side player. He's not very fit. Five-a-side rewards fitness. But he's, like I say, he's part of that generation of players. And he came from Madrid. He was 27 years old. Spurs had never signed a player that everybody around the world knew. It's like, if you play football manager, you know who Rafael van der Vaart is. If you watch foreign football, you know who Rafael van der Vaart is. And he came at the height of his powers to Spurs. And he was fantastic. Technically a brilliant player, but also the sort of player that I love because... A bit overweight. I like a slightly tubby genius. Like, there's nothing like it. He's a bit overweight. He was a bit slow. He was a bit unfit. But he always played with a massive smile on his face. Scored some really important goals. Loads and loads of fun. Um, and in all his interviews, as with quite a lot of Dutch players, he used to be really, like, proper funny. Mm. And I saw, like, Spurs fans love him. And still, like, when he turns up at, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium now, he still gets standing ovations if someone spots him in the crowd and stuff. So, yeah, I know he's going to be useless as a five-a-side player. He might score one unbelievable goal from distance but apart from that he's not bringing anything to the team but yeah Van der Vaart Van der Vaart <laughs> no I, I did like him as well he's a fantastic player to watch and like you said he was a world famous player at the time um, mm. as well but it was one of those things that I thought you know what when Van der Vaart came to the Premier League it was a breath of fresh air because it showed Tottenham's ambition at the time mm. as well and you had it was an odd one because you had Peter Crouch up front or Jermaine Defoe up front then you had Van der Vaart behind you had Modric you had Huddleston or Palacios then you have Gareth Bale on the left Aaron Lennon on the right and you're just yeah. kind of there thinking such a mismatch, but I do like it. It's a very good FIFA team to have as well. And he did improve the team a lot. I think he got to the semi-finals of the uh, FA Cup in one of yeah, the yeah. seasons where Van der Vaart kind of did it. And then Chelsea beat you at Wembley. And then uh, League Cup 
final, I think it was the year before, or the League Cup semi-final, he got, uh, he got to with Van der Vaarten. Obviously, that win at Emirates as well, that was due to a kind of Van der Vaarten. That's, that's the goal that made him a legend. That's mm. Yeah, That was in that grey and black kit, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Shout out Eunice Kabul for getting the winner as well. We love it. <laughs> Big Eunice. Definitely. <laughs> oh, man, you've put me in a predicament now because I don't know who I can pick. So I've got Ronaldo, I've got Bale, I've got Mr. Dembele, I've got Kyle Walker. I think I need someone to just tie it all together. Mm. But who do I get to tie it all together? Do I go for... When I say it out loud, it's going to sound stupid, but do I go for Paul Skulls? That's or do what I, I go was thinking. For... <laughs> it's got to be Paul Skulls because I'm thinking of Christian Eriksen, who I love. I adore Christian Eriksen, and mm. I think it's fantastic. I think at the end of the season, when football t- uh, football shirts get to that clearance price, it's like 45 quid. I'll get a Christian Eriksen shirt. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's the, that's the life hack right there. Wait till the end of the season because you know if that season has been a good season or a bad season for you so you remember it better in the future. That, that's a that's a <laughs> life hack there as well, which is quite good. Um, if we're talking five sides, I think if you've got Luka Modric, I need someone to combat it when we get the ball. So I think I've got to go for... Now, you know what? Ever since Paul Scholes sucked his daughter's toes, I've not been a fan of him. I'll, I'll, I'll be real. I'll be real. I didn't, I didn't like what he did. I thought that was yeah. odd. I thought it was very odd. I'm going to show my heart overhead and my current bias at the moment um, for Christian Eriksen as well. I could have gone for Rashford, could have gone for Bruno Fernandes. Jadon Sancho would have been the ultimate modern type of five-side player as well. Could have gone for... No, I don't want to go for anyone else. Yeah, Christian Eriksen. We, we've both gone attacking. We've both gone fast and furious. And I love it. It's, it's refreshing mm. to see that we haven't gone conservative. We haven't cared about how many goals we're conceding. We're going all out for it. So... Yeah, Christian Eriksen is my guy. But what's your favourite memory of Christian Eriksen from a Spurs point of view? Oh, so, I mean, to be honest, he kind of dropped off in his last season at Spurs. Um, but he was absolutely instrumental in that run to the Champions League final. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many examples of him picking up the ball and just picking those through balls when we couldn't, like exactly like we can't now, when you can't find your way through a kind of a set defence. Yeah, And that's something that Spurs have always really really missed but he's a funny player in the sense that I can't think of any like outstanding moments like Modric, Bale all of them there's moments that spring to mind whereas Ericsson was just a consistent 8 out of 10 for us um, but we still really missed that player and I thought we should have gone for him when he left Brentford Yeah I think it would have been a fantastic player for you to have got as well and someone who can play as a number 8 now as well he would have been that guy to allow Kjolberg to kind of sit in that midfield or Benson could sit in that midfield and he could have been a bit more expressive going forward as well so with Christian Eriksen starts his Man United career, I thought it's been amazing. I know mm. people are looking at him. My friend was saying, oh, yeah, he's not been very good this season, has he? I was like, why do you say that? It's like, oh, because he lost that um, that that ball against Brentford. I was like, that's one moment in the whole season. He's played as a false nine, played mm. as a number 10, he's played as a number eight and a number six. Now he's found his place as a number eight next to Scott McTominay, who eventually will be replaced by Casemiro in the end. But I'm looking forward to seeing how Christian Eriksen does this season because he can play as a number 10. He can set up people... He's a better set-piece taker than what we had last season as well. Yeah, yeah. And you would know all about that with his free kicks that he would score, with his corners that he would deliver in as well. Big corner taker, if I remember correctly. Yep. The Spurs and a big big assist that he made. Was it for Lorente against Man City at the Etihad? He was the one that crossed it in. And it's like the where, where, it, where it goes in off his hip or his hand, depending yeah. on if you're a City or a Spurs fan. Yeah, literally that one. <laughs> yeah. I've always loved Christian Eriksen. I think he's a fantastic player to go for. Yeah. So just, just to wrap up our teams, which I think will be 
hotly contested on social media when he popped this out there as well. It's going to be fun to see who gets the best team. But uh, to run through my team, we've got Carl Walker, rush goalie, basically. We've got Moussa Dembele, Christian Eriksen in that midfield as well. My friends will be like, why have you not picked any Man United players? Because of diversity, that's why. Diversity. We could have gone for David Beckham. We could have gone for many, many different... We could have gone for Michael Carrick, to be fair, or, yeah, Mike, yeah. or Dimitar Berbatov. But I thought, you know what? Go for a bit of variety today. So, Carl Walker, Moussa Dembele, Christian Eriksen, Gareth Bale, and Cristiano Ronaldo. Joe, why don't you run us through your team and we can see who we missed out. Um, we didn't really miss out on many. Um, but who, who, who have you got on your team, Joe? So Rio Fernandez, rush keeper. Um, Luka Modric in front of him with Harry Kane kind of dipping in central midfield and then bombing up to join Wayne Rooney in attack and then pretty much playing wherever he wants if he can be bothered, Raphael van der Vaart. Is that the edge of the little D in goal? Is it just there? It's just ready and waiting. Like, give just, me the ball, I'll just yeet it somewhere. I'll pass wandering it around, yeah, cracking a few gags with the ref, that sort of player. That's how it goes, <laughs> which would be pretty good. But no, uh, Joe, thank you very much for going through your five-a-side joint Manchester United and Spurs team as well just to wrap up the podcast because we are coming to an end now as well you did want to talk a bit about uh mental health and i wanted mm. to talk to you a bit about how you kind of started um boxing now as well and how that's benefited you uh mentally as well so if you can sum that up in 60 seconds for us um go for it yeah so uh, to be honest like i've kind of had ups and downs and mental health struggles myself and stuff and it's kind of i've, I've talked about it on, on the radio and on podcasts and stuff before and i think we live in a world where kind of we spend a huge amount of time staring at screens and with multiple distractions and a lot of those distractions are showing us lives that we think we should have or should be pursuing whether that's looking at other people's instagrams or reading stuff on twitter that's that we find pretty poisonous or upsetting or gets us down and boxing for me on sport of any kind is a form of meditation when you're boxing when you're hitting the pads whatever if you're hitting the bag you can't focus on anything apart from remembering the combination keep your breathing right, make sure you're moving, make sure, basically make sure you're getting out the way if someone's trying to hit you. It's total, total focus on something entirely physical. So for me, as someone who's tried to meditate and just finds it really hard to sit still and clear my mind, that's a form of meditation. Um, scientifically as well, releasing those endorphins, that community spirit that you get, whether you're part of a football team, a golf club, a tennis club, or like, like I am, a boxing club, like that thing where you go in there and you chat to people and you train together. It's such a, because I think a lot of people think of boxing as fighting. It's not the strongest person and the best fighter in the gym looks after the worst fighter and you're only as good as each other and you get each other through it. And I think, yeah, that physical activity plus that communal spirit is what makes any sport, individual or team sport really special. And I think is really valuable for, for anybody. People think boxing's an individual sport, but it's not. It's a team sport no. more than anything as well. And it goes from who you've got as trainers, who you've got as sparring partners, who you've got just training with you as well. Yep. It goes to show that a lot of people can look at um, sport in a different light. It will help them dramatically as well. Like, for example, um, this summer I, I was injured, so I couldn't really play football properly. So I couldn't play for ages. And it reminded me of when I was in lockdown. And when I was in lockdown, I was like, okay, next time this happens, I have to find an alternative. Mm. So I found two, which are pretty good. One of them was foot golf. So if you do have some spare time, watch our foot golf videos. They're quite funny because it's just like me and my mates just chatting nonsense, playing foot golf. And uh, basically just having like a, an in-person podcast, basically going to different places in the country, trying different foot golf places. It was fantastic. And another thing I'd like to uh, shout out is going hiking with my wife. We'd go quite yeah. a lot. Uh, went hiking with my family as well, which is quite nice as well with different family members because uh, there's a nice little saying that I saw recently as well. It's in terms of 
when it's in terms of overthinking a lot of people like to overthink when they're on social media as well i like to assume different things but um if i can end the podcast with anything i'd end it with this um when you're in the woods it's basically it's well, that's not how the quote goes the quote goes something like when you're in the woods and you're lost the only step you can kind of take is the step you can take in front of you so even when i'm kind of looking at this ascension of these big hills and these little mountains that i'm going through i'm just there like oh my god this is insane if i put my head down and i focus and i look at the next step one step one step one step one step one step you carry on and you slowly gradually get to where you're going through as well so when i was doing one of the hikes i was like let's let's see if this actually works this little mm-hmm. saying and it did it really did because you're just kind of there like oh we're here already instead of ah oh, i'm wheezing i need i need water i need snacks I, how am i going to get through the day it's boiling i'm wearing two layers it's freezing whatever it was i was complaining about but that's a very nice way of for me to end my little part on this podcast because yeah, it goes to show that anyone can go through these little uh dips in mentality dips in not even in form but in terms of morale basically and it goes to show that there are different alternatives different ways of boosting your morale and it's as simple as going for a walk it's as simple as getting out of the house it's as simple as joining a new club starting a new sport like joe did uh respectfully as well so yeah that's kind of it really with our very nice impromptu podcast with my new good friend joe so joe I'll let you close out the podcast. Do tell us again uh, the podcast that you do and what you've got plans for the season before we wrap up the podcast. Yeah, do you know what? So um, if you want to listen to Rose Ed, it's just a very silly, like I said, frivolous, lighthearted football podcast. And just search for Rose Ed Football Podcast wherever you get your pods. And yeah, we're hoping to do um, a few live shows, bringing on more guests, um, lots more <clears throat> silly stuff. There he is. See, Hams is going to be the first guest we get on. Go. I love and it. Do you know what? Yeah, just just having a bit more fun and just talking a bit of nonsense about football. That's what we need at the end of the day because um, even for me, just to close off the podcast as well, I just want to say, Joe, thank you very much for your time today. It's been great. And um, I'm really looking forward to this season as well because the fact of the matter is we've got so much that we've got planned for you that instead of just thinking about what we're going to do, we're actually just going to start doing different topics. We're going to be going through a lot more nostalgic topics and combination topics with different people. So I'm all for it. Looking forward to hearing more on Rose Ed as well. And it's been a fantastic podcast, I would say. So um, everyone, thank you very much for listening. Do follow Joe on his podcast, Rose Ed. Thank you, everyone, for the time. And Joe, thank you very much for your time as well. Hopefully we get to speak to, uh, speak to each other soon. Take- Thanks, Hams. Thanks for having me, mate. You're very welcome. Take care and goodbye. <laughs>